0: Covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is time for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Great to have you with us as we continue to go through a period of not having baseball. And that's uh, where we are going to be at for a while. Mid May at this point would be the absolute earliest that baseball could be played. In all likelihood, we're talking about June, who knows, maybe even July, maybe beyond that. We don't really know what it's going to look like as we continue to deal with the coronavirus pandemic. You know, I said on last week's podcast that we were going to try to kind of find a way to move away from talking coronavirus on this podcast. I understand the people listen to this podcast trying to find um, an outlet, an escape from real world stuff. I'm not going to do a good job on that this week, and and we're still at at such an early point in all of this. Uh, The coronavirus situation continues to be top of mind, and to be perfectly honest with you, that is going to be a large part of uh, this week's podcast. And At some point, maybe we'll say as much as we can say on that, that, and we'll we'll, we'll try to pivot in a different direction. I don't really know, but uh, that's kind of where we're at. Uh, Our normal housekeeping items here at the top of the program that we always take care of, if you uh, do want to contact me, you can do so via Twitter, at Matt Pawley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Also, uh, you can, uh, if you do listen to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, you can leave a ranking and review and uh, subscribe. That would be uh, absolutely fantastic. Brewers manager Craig Council spoke on a conference call this week. Not a whole lot was said. Uh, said there's not a whole lot of focus on baseball right now. The focus on a whole lot of other things here uh, at the moment. Um, did say that he expects baseball to be played at some point this summer. Doesn't really know uh, what that is going to uh, what that's going to look like. I don't think any of us know what that's going to look like. Uh, we can speculate, and that's a lot of what we're going to be doing here over the next of uh, the month or so. Uh, but we're all we're just kind of in a holding pattern and uh, we'll see how things end up working out vast majority of this week's show is our featured conversation uh we are bringing in a host on wtmj you hear him on wtmj nights he's going to be doing that a whole lot uh you hear him filling in and various other shows for jeff wagner for steve scafiti uh on wisconsin's afternoon news uh and now he's going to join us here on uh this podcast it's scott warris and he joins me in just a moment. So it's Brewers X Journeys, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. After every Brewers game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now. Brewers X Journeys, the podcast is powered by WTMJ Mobile. It is time for our featured conversation on this week's podcast, and we're bringing in somebody who we've had on the show before. You hear him a lot on WTMJ. He fills in for Steve Scafidi, and he fills in for uh, Jeff Wagner, and sometimes he's filling in on the afternoon show for John Murkier, and you hear him sometimes hosting WTMJ Nights. He is Scott Warris. I would tell you where to find him on Twitter, but he's not on Twitter, so I'll just tell you he's Scott Warris. Hi, Scott. You can't find me if you tried. You couldn't find me if you tried. How are you doing? I'm good. Well, you know, the conspiracy theory inside of our building is that you actually do have a Twitter. And so maybe if somebody really tried hard and, you know, hacked into uh, all your accounts and found IP addresses and everything, maybe somebody could find your Twitter that you say does not exist.
1: You know, perhaps, but we have more important things as a society to worry about right now. And I'm fortunate for that,
0: if nothing else.
1: How's the family? Everybody good? Yeah. Doing well? How's, how's uh, Sophia doing?
0: You know what? It's uh, it's interesting because my wife works at Children's Hospital, which is, she's uh, amazing, and last week she didn't work at all because she thought I would be traveling with, uh, with basketball, with Green Bay Women's Basketball, assuming that there would be postseason basketball. There wasn't, as we all know, and she goes back to work this upcoming week. And, Scott, it's kind of nerve-wracking because... She hasn't been on the front lines really since uh, all this stuff started going down with the uh, coronavirus. In the in the way it is now, clearly it's been kind of simmering for a couple months, but it's it, it moved to a new level here over the last week week and a half. And she's going to go in for the first time. And uh, I, I, she's she's strong. She says that you know this is what she signed up for, yada yada yada. But as a as a husband, like it it concerns me her going in and being there. But I'm I'm proud of her for doing it.
1: Well, you know, one of the, and we're gonna, there will be books and novels and essays and lectures and speeches in years and decades after this, everything we've learned or how we as a society will have changed and hopefully been better for it in the, in the long, long, long run. And I, I wonder, I just got this thought this week, I wonder if we will begin to appreciate healthcare workers more. If you remember after 9-11, one of the really redeeming things that came of the tragedy was the fact that ever since that day, we see and and appreciate and treasure the first responders a lot more than we did September 10th, 2001, Mm -hmm. and all those law enforcement and whatnot. Uh, I think you can say the same from a military perspective, certainly, uh, when you're at war, you, you you appreciate the military members. I I wonder, and I would hope that after this, whenever that is, that there's a new appreciation for people who are at the front lines of the healthcare uh, industry, the doctors, the nurses, the everybody and anybody who who is at the front lines of this particular battle, uh, like your wife. Yeah,
0: you know, it's what's weird about this, and again. And I, I I always kind of hesitate to do the nine eleven comparison because they the actual events don't compare in any way shape or form, and I'm always scared that somebody listening to me is going to sit here and, and try to say that I'm comparing this to you know planes flying into buildings, and, and clearly I'm not doing that. The comparison is with the world kind of stopping, but with nine eleven we knew sports was going to be back, and we knew sports was going to be back in a relatively short amount of time. We don't know where we're at on the timeline and all of this, and it's it's. I think it's very disconcerting because I work in sports, Scott. Like I spend my entire life working around sports, whether it's the Brewers and the baseball or everything else I do during mm-hmm. the course of the year. And for me personally, I never really thought of a scenario where where sports could just stop, yet the world was still going. It was always like, well, sports isn't going to be there. That means the the world is just over, basically. And it's not. It's clearly not like that. And it's a. It, it was a. It was a thought process by me that was not true. But it's a. It's a really weird world to be living in right now. Where my entire life career income everything is based upon sports and it's something that in our country the way we value sports and the money that goes along with it and all the people that go to games it's a really weird thing to see it completely just shut down
1: well we are we're social beings i mean we've been created to to want to be with other people whether it's You know, the family dynamic, the family unit, uh, friends, extended family, your your colleagues, wherever you work. And as social beings, sports is—that's what sports is. I mean, I don't care if you want to, you know, go back to, you know, the ancient Romans and Greeks and, you know, the Colosseum and things like that. It wasn't, let's watch— the gladiators battle it out in front of an empty in an empty room. It was let's have the gladiators battle it out. Sometimes, oftentimes, at the expense of the Christians, mind you, but do it in a coliseum with thousands of people gathered together. It, it's a it's sports from its infancy, the the first you know the the Olympics meant to go and to, yes, compete, but then to allow those who were not in competition to go and get together and cheer on, and it's my guy versus your guy, my team versus your team. It's a social practice. And so all of this, sports or otherwise, I've been trying to come to terms with what is it that is that makes this so surreal, so surreal, even day after day after day when we you'd think we'd get used to it, and I haven't been able to because we're not socializing. We're being told to do the exact, and we should, do the exact opposite of what we are created and, if you will, wired to do, and that's socialize with one another, and sports is as big an example as any of that.
0: We saw this past week, and admittedly, the Washington, the state of Washington, Seattle is somewhat ground zero for all this. Now, based off reports I've seen, seems like they may actually be starting to get better, and that's a that's a good sign. But still, that's a, that's a tough place to be. The Mariners made the decision to completely shut down their spring training facility this past week, and they told players just to go home, and they told players to treat this like it's the off season, So that means all the ramping up and everything that happened during spring training already, at least for the Mariners, it's basically going back to zero, and they're going to have to reset. And I have to think maybe more and more teams are going to, to do that. And we've talked about mid-May as maybe being the time that baseball returns. Scott, that seems... That seems not likely when we're talking about teams completely shutting things down and and spring training being, you know, darn near a a two-month process and all of a sudden guys are going to be, you know, and with gyms closed and things like that, not everybody's going to have access to the things you need to be able to stay in baseball shape. It just seems like mid-May for baseball to be back might be pushing it a little bit.
1: I'm with you on that. I don't. You know, and I'm trying to take in as much of the information as anybody, but I just, if, if it's not as if okay, we're clear to start some semblance of normal activity again, and then tomorrow it's opening day. I mean, and you talk about it all the time. How much? I guess here's my question: How much time do you think it would take to get from all right, the teams are allowed to organize again? How much? Time would have to pass from that point to let's play competitively. Because then you start thinking about injuries. I mean, I, we, you know, you talk pitching all the time. Well, you got to, you know, you have to uh, get to the point where they're, um, uh, what's the word? They're they're not drawn out, stretched out. They're uh, yeah, stretched out. You're stretched out. I mean, how long? What, what's the minimum amount of time it would take from right now? You can get together as a team again to. Let's have opening day. I mean, it, that's got to be several weeks, right?
0: Yeah, I, I think if it's right now, it's two to three weeks. But I think every day that you go by, and you know the the opposite of stretching out is happening to to guys. And maybe they're throwing, but we don't know what they're doing and getting. There's just you just don't know. That's why there's been some talk about maybe the season opening up with you know just expanded rosters beyond what we would normally see where you're almost continuing spring training, but also playing games. But you go back to injury, you know, part of getting a guy stretched out is not only are they limiting how many innings or how many pitches they throw, but they also limit the, the percentage that you're given, you know, if you're a guy who can throw a fastball 96 miles per hour, 97 miles per hour, you're probably not hitting 96, 97 in the first couple of weeks of spring training. You're easing into that. So even with a situation where you have expanded rosters, so maybe guys don't have to throw quite as long, can you ask them in a game that matters to limit, you know, the the effort level that they would give to try to avoid injury? And I, to me, that's not a, a possible thing to do.
1: I've heard it said that the the players who will likely be hurt the most by a shortened season or a, a rapid ramp up to the season, as it were, would be the older players, or more likely the, the veterans who normally need, you know, um, not only just spring training, but maybe need April and into May, and, and who traditionally have a slow ramp up in a regular 162-game schedule, and it'll be these young guys, uh, you know, the the rookies or certainly the the players that skew younger that will have an advantage because they won't need that necessary ramp-up to get their bodies and their minds and the coordination and all that stuff kind of going so you're ready to go during a normal mid-season push is that something you buy into?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look at Ryan Braun. Generally, Braun doesn't play yeah. his first spring yeah. training game until pretty much the last week of spring training. And then April and May, they are incredibly careful with him on how often they play him, especially when it's a little bit cooler outside because you, know, you want that back to be loose, and it's a little bit tougher to get it loose when it's uh, 55 degrees outside or 45 degrees outside. So there's more off days for him at the beginning of the year. And then, you know, by the time you hit August and September, he he becomes more of that everyday guy and there was probably an injured list stint or two in there at some point in that period. But yeah, you're absolutely right. And I know, you know, Braun is one of those guys who are from a From a baseball standpoint, I know he's got a gym in his home, and he's probably continuing to work out and do everything. He's in better shape in terms of what he can probably do inside of his home than a lot of other guys, but that doesn't change the fact that there's no baseball activity, there's no running on the field, there's no hitting outside, things like that, and it does take a little bit of time. So I I think Ryan Braun is the the exact example of what you're saying.
1: You know, and and we were talking the other night on the WTMJ, we were talking about the schedule perspective, and I was debating this with somebody else in the building as well who will remain uh, nameless, but I felt that whenever the season starts, they have... They've got to redo the schedule top to bottom, because as, as opposed to just start the schedule wherever the season starts, use the original schedule and just pick up wherever wherever the calendar dictates. You've got to tear that thing down, whatever has already been, well, whatever is already planned, and you've got to rework that all. I mean, you can't have a situation where the Brewers, for example, are going to play maybe the Cubs, you know, normally, what, 19 or so, 18, 19 times you play your division rivals. You can't have it where you're going to play the Cubs 12 times in the last six weeks of the year. I'm just making that up and yet the cardinals maybe will only be scheduled to play the cubs eight times or six times i mean you you have to recreate the balanced schedule for the purpose of the divisions right and i know and i know that 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 would mean hotels and flights and plans and all that has to be thrown out the window but we've kind of we've kind of crossed that point yeah. of no return in in society at at, at this stage anyway so that's where I come down on the schedule element, which I know some are debating.
0: Well, even think about it from, you know, it is a very common thing in scheduling for when you're playing teams. So for the Brewers, for example, if you're playing a team from the E uh, N L East or the NL West, you'll play them at home one weekend, and then you'll play them on the road the next weekend, and that will be it. It's a weird thing, but in the court, you know, you'll be done with a team in the first month and a half of the season because so often you're playing the same team from the other division, home and home, within two weeks of each other. So if it's one of those situations where, say, you know, you were you were going to play, I, I don't know, the, the the Los Angeles Dodgers twice in the first month of the season, but one of your divisional opponents uh, was going to play the Padres twice in the first mm-hmm. month of the season it is um it is, it's not fair like it just and there's not everything is going to be fair in this let's be really clear there's this is going to be a weird schedule and there's going to be some weird things that go along with it and it's there's no way that they're going to be able to make this a completely fair schedule but you can't have scenarios like i just mentioned
1: no exactly and, and, right you, you make i was just talking i was just actually just thinking at it from a interdivisional standpoint, you, whatever whatever schedule you play, each team in your division, you, you need to have a balance among who you play. The Brewers, the Cardinals, the Reds, uh, the Cubs, the Pirates, you need to play each other the same number of times, if at all possible, in whatever this new schedule looks like. And if that means that you're not... Made, I mean, who knows how much the schedule is played? If that means you don't play any Amer. i, I if you don't play in the american league teams no interleague's fine you're right i mean at this point it's who knows what it'll look like um but that that is one thing that i know you know and, and i think it's something else too whatever this season looks like we have to throw out any and every preconceived notion about baseball that we've ever had which is going to be really hard considering of all the of all the major sports is there any one sport that is more based on history and long-held deep-rooted beliefs and you do it this way and change is bad my gosh I mean how look at the way they handle the shift and how people are going kicking and screaming into this new era but whatever the season looks like whatever philosophies there were whatever well you normally do this and you got to throw that all out the window I mean to be candid none of that's None of that matters. It it could be one of the truly most unique situations that we've ever seen in sports where it's just, hey, we're going to start on, I don't know, the 4th of July or, hell, August 1st. I don't know. And it's going to be a two-month race to the finish line, ready, set, go. And Katie, bar the door. Um, We we have to throw out all preconceived notions about a sport that has been around forever.
0: But you're right. Right. And I think to accentuate that point, you know, there was Aaron Boone this past week said uh, that, you know, baseball was trying really hard to get 162 games in. And one of the ways to potentially do that is extend the season out by going to neutral sites in warm weathers or going to sites at domes, maybe playing all the postseason games at neutral sites. I would rather see the shortened schedule. Like, I think you can. You can probably get rid of all the interleague games. Play a bunch mm-hmm. of games against your division. You know, make it mm-hmm. equal in your division as far as the teams that you're playing. Extend out the regular season like two weeks, not no more than two weeks. Maybe throw a doubleheader in there every once in a while. I, uh, you know, Bud Black, the Rockies manager, this past week said maybe two doubleheaders a week. I, I don't, I don't like that. Maybe, maybe everybody plays a Saturday doubleheader or something, and. You can get 130 or you can get 120 in if you're starting in June. And I think that's about as much as you can push it. Anything more than that just doesn't seem like it makes a whole lot of sense.
1: Yeah. Um, so, okay. So, to that point, what would be the latest? What would be the latest? And I don't know my answer. Maybe August 1st might be my answer to my own question. The latest you could start the baseball season. And still, and still have a season, have a postseason, crown a champion, and feel like there was some validity to it. August first, oh. you go two months. I, I, I,
0: so, what you're playing? You're probably playing somewhere between fifty-five and sixty games at that point in the regular season. Like the. The thing I would say, the thing I love about baseball, Scott, and and people have said this to me, like, oh, maybe this is going to be the catalyst to lowering the number of regular season games. And one of the things I love about baseball is you can't fake your way in. Over the course of a 162-game season – it's, it's legit. If you get into the postseason, it's legit. You have earned your way to that point. And we have seen not-so-good baseball teams make runs up until the All-Star break and be in playoff position around the All-Star break, but then who they are, it finally falls off. Now, I, I think what anything's not like if they can't start until august 1st i'd rather have this 60 game sprint than no baseball at all but on the other side of it i do feel like in that scenario you lose the the feeling that okay whoever gets into the postseason really earned their way in yeah
1: <laughs> Just, as i said to somebody before i said the um the punctuation mark the most popular punctuation mark In society, now just sports, baseball, but sports in general, do you realize how many asterisks are going to and are being used and are going to be? Think of all the asterisks. I'm talking from from a college basketball media guide to a high school wrestling website to a Major League Baseball World Series champion. Think of all the asterisks that are going to be used in the 2020 calendar year, when it comes to sports at every single level, heck, there's even little leagues. I'm sure my own West Dallas Little League here—they're going to put an asterisk <laughs> on the website when it comes to. Oh, so that's why. And you'll, you know, 20 years from now, you get a generation of kids who go, "What happened in 2020? There was a pandemic." Oh, and you look at the asterisk, and you go to the bottom of the page. Pandemic caused the shortened season. Think of the asterisks in use, Maddie.
0: Yeah, like. As we know, I am the broadcaster for Green Bay Women's Basketball. They've got this incredibly long streak of winning at least 20 games per season. They got to 19 this year, and they were supposed to play postseason basketball. Is that is that asterisk worthy for the uh, for the 20 game streak? You put you know what you tell uh, you tell Joey
1: Daniels and those guys up there at Green Bay in the Athletic Communications office. You put a bold asterisk there. Because everybody else is going to be doing just that. Hey, you know the other thing that struck me this week, back to baseball specifically, that the news, if you were going to have Tommy John surgery, Chris Sale, could there be any more fortuitous season during which to have a season-ending surgery like Tommy John? I mean, Chris Sale may, you know, some... Some dumb luck, maybe, perhaps you can call it. But, uh, hey, if you're going to have Tommy John surgery, why not do it when there might not be a season? And if there is, it's going to be very, very shortened.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think, you know, they were, um, with him, they were like looking at the injury and seeing how well can we rehab this thing? What can we do to get him to play? Part of me has to think they finally said, well, screw it. Why Why are we doing this yeah. now? Just just go under the knife and we'll see you in 12 to 14 months. Shut it down. Yeah. Which
1: makes you think I mean,
0: and I don't you would know better than I,
1: if there are other players around baseball as this thing drags out who
0: and right now they're
1: not they're not playing baseball, so they're not susceptible to injury, at least in the baseball sense. If there were anybody if there's any other players that were maybe maybe they were banged up in spring, I mean there's somebody else who had a. um like like Judge in New York, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you get to the point where we're not playing and the rehab's going well, I mean, I guess maybe then you would play, but you may go, you know what? Let's just shut it down and, and get fully healthy for 2020. Well, I don't know. If it's funny, you know, we have a conversation like this and you, you realize all the other, oh, what about this? What about that? What about this moment?
0: <laughs> if you've been to a doctor recently and the doctor said the words to you, well, you don't need this surgery now, but eventually you will. Just do it now. Mm-hmm. That's where we're at. Well, I think. but that.
1: Well, but that. Well, in theory, yes, but you may not be allowed to have the surgery if our if our hospitals and our clinics and our medical professionals are, as some states, I think state of Washington, but or New York, maybe or New Jersey, they've you know said no unnecessary or, or no, um, yeah, unnecessary surgeries at this time to you know to kind of conserve manpower and about you know products and and equipment and things like that so there there's a real life you know situation too but um yeah i just thought of that when i saw chris sale this week i went man this is a little dumb luck yeah to miss a year this would be the year to miss it
0: last thing for you and you you asked me about this a little bit before we started recording it's a different world right now for the minor leaguers. You know, we talked earlier about you know Ryan Braun's got a gym in his basement. Okay, cool. Like he, most major leaguers probably can at least do something in some sort of home setup that they would have, especially established ones. There's been a grassroots effort on social media to find part-time jobs for minor league baseball players in their hometowns because they don't know if they're going to be making money. Now, Major League Baseball and the teams have announced that they'll be paying minor leaguers at least through what's scheduled to be the start of their minor league season. We still don't know what's going to happen after that, so that's going to be in mid-April. There's no guarantee that they have a paycheck, but then from a baseball standpoint, it's they're not... There's no guarantee they can get into a gym. There's no guarantee they can get into a batting cage. There's no, you know, maybe guys can go throw a little bit. Pitchers can throw outside. But if you live in a cold weather area, it's it's going to be tough. We we talk about the impact to the major leagues, and clearly it's going to have a profound impact, but it could exponentially have a bigger impact on some of these minor league guys.
1: Well, I defer to you on that, I'm, you know, on the state of the minor league system. But, yeah, I, I was wondering out loud as to – are there minor league teams that will perhaps have to fold because of this? And specifically those, you know, the independent leagues that don't have an affiliation with a major league club that could potentially still funnel money down to them. I mean, if you're on your own, if you're, if you're well, from an operational standpoint, if you are completely relying on, gate sales and concession sales and you don't have games h- how do you still operate and then you brought up the good point too before we started recording that some of these leagues where are you going to get players from because they rely on the players who are cut or do not get assigned to a minor league team and and uh how do you, how do you fill out a roster if there's no players from which to draw
0: yeah and I should get Kyle Lesneski back on here soon because he he does a lot with the Milwaukee Milkmen, and they're a they're a perfect example of that because they are an independent league professional team. Now I know they've been signing guys who are not currently under contracts with major league organizations but yeah you're right there a, you know a lot of generally after those cuts when right before the minor league season starts when a lot of minor league guys get cut by teams a lot of those guys end up signing with independent league teams and that's not going to happen this year if the independent league season is starting concurrently with uh, the the overall minor league system but the the milkman are, are, are a great example of all this because I assume that they rely on gates and concessions and and all that stuff, and we don't know when they will be playing baseball.
1: The the milkmen right in our own backyard in the Milwaukee area? uh, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but the same can be said for the Northwoods League, right? Yeah. I mean, the Lakeshore Chinooks and, and Wausau and all those other, Madison and things like that, they rely on the same sources don't they
0: well that that's collegiate summer league so they don't have the cost that goes along with uh paying players because it's just college kids that go play summer ball there those are i think those are wood bat leagues but everything else is exactly the same and even more so how many of these college kids are going to be can you just imagine you got a you got a nineteen year old kid who's already been home because classes have been canceled and all of a sudden you're like, Hey, I've got an offer to go play and, and ride this bus uh, you know, five hundred miles from where I live and I'm not gonna get paid for it, and your baseball your college baseball season's already been canceled. What what's mom and dad's response gonna be to that?
1: which begs another question. I know we've talked baseball and professionally, but the collegiate spring athletes that at last check, it looks like if they haven't already passed it, are going to be granted an extra year of eligibility. But how many are going to take advantage of that? I mean, in reality, I think of, you know, the UWM baseball team, the only division one college baseball team we have in this state. I mean, for those guys, how many of them, if the NCAA has said, okay, we'll give you another year of eligibility, I mean, how many, how many of them are going to take that? I mean, how many of them have jobs lined up or, or, or plans after college? I'm graduating in a couple months, and now I'm rearranging or rethinking everything to come back. I'll be really curious collegiately to see the numbers from all the, 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 the spring athletes, the spring sports, how many of those seniors take up the Offer of another year of eligibility versus so I'm just going to get on with my life. That was my plan.
0: And, and baseball has so few scholarships at the D1 level. I mean, mm-hmm. nobody's on a full scholarship, it seems like, if you're a baseball player. So there's a lot of these guys who, you know, even if they wanted to come back and pursue a graduate degree, all of a sudden they're, they're responsible for 30% or 40% of that tuition that might not be, you know, yeah, I'm going to go get more student loans so I can play one right. more year of Horizon League Baseball? Like, does that really make sense?
1: And, and that, yes, and, and I, again, we just used the Milwaukee the, the Milwaukee Panthers example because they're the only Division One baseball team in the state. Um, but you can, you can uh, say that for everybody, for the yeah. Division Three level, for, 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 for Parkside, for the D2, NAI, all that stuff. Um, how many of those, yeah, you want to go and and rack up another year worth of debt, just so you can play another year of baseball, and oh, by the way, that's a year away, so you got to go through, you know, you go through the first semester, Christmas break, until you actually get to the season, you're you're trying to uh, get back, I'll give credit to kids who do that, but I'm, my gut right now tells me that there's going to be more kids that say thanks but no thanks and than take the NCAA up on the
0: offer. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would agree. All right, one more. I lied to you. One more thing. Uh, I don't. I, when baseball comes back,
1: hey, Matt. Matt, I, I've got all the time in the world. Well, what else are we going to do? We talk about these things. Well, what, what am I going to do? I can't. I can't even make up an excuse.
0: Do you? Uh, are you? You're not a technology guy, but I assume you've got some like stream. You have got Netflix or Hulu or, or one of those, right?
1: i'm reading a lot more okay have you picked up a good book lately matt i mean i think there's something to be said for the book but anyway go
0: you, ahead so you actually interesting thing this has a brewer's tie-in you had the great brian anderson on wtmj uh for a, yeah, back in the fall yeah it was like a, it was a was it a full hour interview was it a half hour? it was a long time Yeah, he was kind
1: enough. He came in studio right around the World Series, yeah.
0: So he, on your interview, recommended a book that broadcasters should read, um, and I'm seeing if it's sitting around me right now. It's not. Uh, but he recommended a book that all broadcasters should read. It's about voice control and things like that. Yeah, I bought that book. My goal was to read it on airplane rides during the course of basketball season. That didn't happen. So I am going to read that book at some point during uh, this pandemic.
1: You know, that is an excellent suggestion. I I remember in, afterwards I made a bunch of notes, and that was one of the things I said. But I set the notes down, and I had not done that i I'm looking for good suggestions bookwise, and you reminded me that he said that. Yeah, it's it's about, and you've got it there around you somewhere. It's about if you come from a certain, I guess, well, everybody has a certain accent or dialect or you know speech pattern depending where they're from around the country. It's about trying to what neutralize that, right? It's it's about perfecting a, a a sound of one's voice to be more. Mainstream, for lack of a better word? Is that, is
0: yeah, that right? Yes, and I, I found it. So I went to my Amazon account and found the old order. It's called mm-hmm. Change Your Voice, Change Your Life by Dr. Morton Cooper. And it's not in print anymore, so you probably have to purchase a, uh, a used copy. But on Amazon right now, there are 29 of them starting at $2.54. Oh, that's right in my wheelhouse.
1: Yeah, that came because I asked him. He's a Texas native, and yet when you hear him speak, whether on a broadcast or just, you know, off the cuff in a conversation, there, there's, there's really no southern Texas, what do you want to call it, drawl or twang or whatever the term is you want to use. There's nothing to it in his voice, and then he recommended that book. So, well, there you go. See, that's it. You know, I would recommend, if you're looking for books, there's still the best book I've ever read in my life to this day is uh, Unbroken. uh, It was made into a movie, like most books, most good books are, uh, Unbroken by um, Laura Hillenbrand, the story of Louis Zamperini, the World War II veteran, who, it's the only book I've ever read where multiple times during the course of reading it, I literally, and I'm using that term intentionally here, I literally set the book down just to kind of take in what I just read Because it was so unbelievable that he was going through, and I won't tell you what, but he was going through this. And then you read a few chapters and something else happens to him. You're going, this is unreal. I cannot believe this guy went through all of these remarkable challenges from being captured as a POW to being stranded at sea and so on and so forth. So Unbroken, another great
0: book that I'd recommend. All right. All right, here's that last thing. start a book club, man. There you, you go, the, book the WTMJ Brook Book Club. <laughs> Oprah's got nothing work on for us. Oprah, I can
1: work, I can work for Oprah. For
0: There's no way that when baseball comes back, they're going to have fans in the stand immediately. It's going to be a ramp-up period, right? Like It's going to get to a point where they say, okay, it's safe enough. For players to come to miller park it's safe enough for players to get on charter jets but it's not safe enough for thirty thousand people to congregate like there's there's going to be a ramp up period right
1: i am with you on that and i i don't think most people have thought that part all the way through yet but i'm with you on that and you can say the same thing for the nba um and for any sport yeah that in those introductory weeks and maybe even month or two or whatever, I'm just guessing. We know none of us know anything for sure. That that would they'll be playing in front of empty facilities. I'm with you on that. Get used to watching it on television first before you can get used to being in the stands again. And
0: mm-hmm. isn't that going to be? I mean, everything's weird, but opening day is going to be opening day without people tailgating.
1: You know what, though, here in Milwaukee, I'm
0: sure people. People
1: will find a way of although they can't open the parking lot,
0: yeah, they're you know, gonna people bring people in the Wisconsin National together. Guard to block the 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 parking lots from from Miller Park on opening day
1: we're, we're gonna have a going to have the tanks on blue mound uh Blue Mound Road right outside the uh the the, the drive down into the parking lot we're gonna have God forbid we have our own like Tiananmen Square situation with somebody with a Miller light and a brat standing on top of a tank or in front of a tank, oh my gosh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> i hope not i hope not but who knows well. yeah.
1: none of us, that's the thing that none of us know anything as to the future of this which which is the other part you know, at the beginning we were talking about how surreal all this is sports it's the whenever something adverse happens to us we normally come together family friends a nation, whatever, we're told to hug it out or come together, we'll, we'll have a candlelight vigil or whatever. In this case, we're told just the opposite. Do not come together in the face of this adversity. And, you know, the other thing is, is too, it's, it's just there's no finality to it. You don't know that, and that is that, that unknown just wears on you, or can and does wear on you, and that's so unlike anything we've been through before. I, I'm with you on the don't-make-9-11 analogies or when you do specify the, the angles to which you're comparing and contrasting. And so I would do that here again. I you know we got to wrap this up. But post-9-11, as uncertain as we were in the days after as to whether there'd be another attack, there was a point, and we knew there would be a point, when... Okay, they've got us safe. Planes are all down. There's not an airplane in the sky. We think that there's not going to be another attack. We take it day to day. We don't know when this is going to be over.
0: Right. I the, mean, it's the timeline months, thing. We months, don't know, know where we're at on the timeline. Yeah. Yeah. You don't. It's just all I know is this. And somebody put it. I read this
1: quote. I read this statement yesterday, and it really it put it into perspective. I, I had not yet thought about this. What we do know. Is that by the end of this day when we're taping, or by the end of the day when uh, whoever you know you guys are listening to this, and at the we'll be one day closer to the end. And maybe if we look at it or think of it that way, it'll help us cope a little bit psychologically. That hey, by the end of this day, we're one day closer. Or right now, we're one week closer to it being over than we were a week ago. And you take it incrementally like that, and you can kind of ease some of the anxiety.
0: You got any uh, WTMJ work coming up this week? Oh, baby, do I ever. Um, for the foreseeable
1: future, I am your WTMJ night's voice. So I can tell you definitively that um, weeknights starting at 6 p.m., I will be on the airwaves of WTMJ radio and WTMJ.com online. So, yeah, that's uh Monday through Friday, 6 o'clock, 6 p.m., and we'll just take this one day at a time. There's so many angles, and I've, and, the, and everybody's so great about sharing different angles of the story and elements. Some are lighter than others, and you know me well enough, and I, people know me that, yeah, there's time for seriousness, obviously, but I'm, uh, I'm all for having some lighthearted moments as well. So we mix it all in, but weeknights at 6 p.m., that's where you can find me regularly, which is so odd for me to say, uh, for the foreseeable future.
0: All right. Very good. We will be listening. Thanks, buddy. You bet. Thanks for uh, your time. You bet. That was Scott Warris uh, joining us here on Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Let me uh, correct something dumb that I said, and if I spent all day correcting dumb things that i said i don't know if i would have a much other time in the day but uh, my idea of dropping interleague play clearly that can't completely work because there's not an even number of teams so you have to have some amount of interleague play unless you do something else that is completely drastic Uh, maybe you only play the interleague games between your uh, scheduled rivals you know how the Brewers play the Twins every year in those scheduled rivalry games. That's where the the White Sox play the Cubs. The uh, the Yankees play the Mets. The Cardinals play the Royals. Dodgers play the Angels, so on and so forth. Uh, maybe that's something that you can do. There's some weird ones, like Houston plays the Rockies. That one doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So maybe you in a schedule, you, you remove a bunch of the interleague games. You can't get rid of them completely because of the... Odd number of teams in each league. You have to have some interleague play going at all times. But again, I, I don't really know what it's going to look like. But certainly, uh, after having that conversation with Scott, thinking uh, through it a, a little bit, and actually had somebody bring that up to me that on Twitter, that's not really a, a possibility. And yeah, that's uh, that, that was a stupid thing by me to say. And there's your uh, correction on it. For the record, I didn't go back and change the question to make myself look like I didn't say something dumb. I just put the old asterisk there at the end of the conversation here and uh, with that that's gonna do it for this edition of brewers extra innings the podcast powered by wtmj mobile my thanks to my guest scott warris and we'll talk to you again soon thanks for listening to brewers extra innings the podcast matt will be back next
1: week with another episode for all the latest brewers news keep listening to a home of the brewers news radio 620 wtmj